Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the lovely upstate of South Carolina. I'm your host, Stan McEwen, as always, realtor here in the greater Greenville area. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need a realtor for any possible reason, buying a home, selling a home, investing in real estate, all that stuff. I'm your guy. And just a reminder, as always, please, if you haven't subscribed to the show, open up that podcast app that you're using, hit the little subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, leave a short little review. I would appreciate any of that that you guys can do to express your thanks for the show, if assuming that you enjoy it. Today, I'm going to be talking about comparing the current market to what the market was around the Great Recession. This is something that we're starting to hear people talking more and more about this because uh, of how many strange things are happening. And we had talked about this a little bit in the past, but I've never actually done a deep dive into really comparing specific to the Greenville market. I have to clarify, even though this is a broader topic, everything that I discuss in this podcast is specific to the Greenville market because that's where I'm getting all my data from. But um, even though we have discussed this a little bit in the past, I have never really uh, dove into the data of what did it look like in the months leading up to 2008? What was the market like? What was happening in real estate in comparison to what is happening now? And people are growing concerned about this because we're still seeing this frenzy of a seller's market. We're still seeing tons of chaos, prices going up at unprecedented rates. Um, Now we're seeing added into the mix mortgage rates going up just also at basically unprecedented rates. I mean, it's insane. Just like overnight, it went from 3.5% to basically 5% for a 30-year conventional loan. And so we're seeing all of these things happening, and people are starting to, uh, to say, okay, I'm starting to hear these rumblings of, all right, the market can't be pulled in all these different directions. It has to collapse, right? It has to collapse under uh, under the weight of all of this. Um, and we've discussed this before, that there is a misconception that just because things are getting expensive, just because people are buying real estate um, at, a, at an unprecedented pace, that does not mean that there is a bubble. A bubble is artificial demand right? It's, it's when sales are happening artificially. Um, when sales are happening because people actually want to buy um, and actually need to buy, that is not a bubble. And particularly when, when we're in a situation like we are now, where a qu- over a quarter of real estate transactions in Greenville are cash buyers, a larger percentage than ever before are putting down large down payments, 20%, and above, Um, that also, which we've discussed in the past, is a a big distinction from back in 2005 through 2007, where people were doing these no-doc loans, where they didn't even have to basically prove their income, and uh, zero down, and um, adjustable rate mortgages that overnight could go up, you know, 5 6% from where they were. Um, we are not seeing that type of real estate environment right now like we were back then. But what about the other indicators, right? Because I've already talked about all that stuff before. I'm not going to rehash all of that. What are the other indicators in the market when we 
you know, compare what is happening today in terms of supply, in terms of demand, in terms of days on market, all of these various things. How does it compare to what was happening in the lead up to the Great Recession? Now, let me start by saying all of my data on here is based on the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors data. And it's it's imperfect um, because I actually kind of have to look at, at graphs um, that don't tell me the exact numbers, but I can pretty much, I, it, these numbers, if they're not exact, they're really close. Like I might say 1,000 when the number is actually 980. Um, so on a meta level, the, meta level, these numbers should be pretty close. Um, but let's just start by kind of setting the stage here. The Great Recession started, most people pinpoint December of 2007 as when the Great Recession like actually started. Um, I had no idea. I was in college in December of 2007. I had no idea. I graduated in 2008. I did not know I was graduating into a recession. It's funny. Um, you know, that was probably the worst possible time in the world to like graduate. Not the worst time in the world. I'm exaggerating. But the worst time in the past, I don't know, 30 or 40 years to graduate and enter the workforce. And I had no idea what I was in for uh, when I graduated in May of 2008. It was quite the ride. Um, but up until that point, up until December of 2007, a lot of people thought that the market was okay, right? It didn't seem like it was teetering. It didn't seem like it was about to collapse. People didn't realize that that there was a housing bubble that was being created. Um, the closings in Greenville, here's, here's how to think about it. 2007 closings in Greenville were comparable to the closings that were in 2014 uh, and 2015. So if you want to think about the market, if you have been um, buying and selling or uh, have had an interest in real estate in Greenville um, or really anywhere since 2014, 2015, imagine what the market was like then in terms of how many closings were happening per year. And that's basically what was happening in 2007. 2014, 2015, by that point, we were we were pretty much out of the recession at that point, and that was a that was a healthy market. There wasn't anything. Interest rates were were good. Um, there there was uh, supply, but there was also demand. Good market. That was generally speaking, um, from the standpoint of the number of closings, um, what two thousand seven was like. But there were cracks in the system that now we can look back and see. Ooh, okay. There, this was this didn't just come out of nowhere. This should have been seen. People should not have been surprised by this. Even though the closings were comparable to 2014, 2015 levels, nothing else was. Um, and the housing market was really hanging by a thread. Um, so let's uh, just take it kind of, let's break down kind of one thing at a time here. Um, so if we look at days on the market, 2007, um, Generally speaking, the days on the market for a house, this is the, the period of time from when it went on the market until it went under contract, was typically 80 to 100 days. That is a very, very large number. We haven't seen a number that high in quite some time. Um, so even though there were a lot of closings, it was taking a really, really long time for homes to go under contract. Um, Three months, basically. 
uh, for, for homes from the time they were listed until they went under contract. That is oftentimes a massive indicator um, that there is too much supply and not enough demand. A, a, the opposite issue of what we have right now. Right now, we have not enough supply and so much demand. All right. So in 2007, leading up to the Great Recession, there was indicators that there was a massive issue of, uh, in the reverse of what we have today of supply and demand. Right now, our days on market are averaging around 20 to 30. So literally like a third to a fourth of what it was in 2007. So by that indicator, um, we have a completely different market, a completely different scenario um, than what we have right now. Um, <clears throat> in terms of, let's look at the, the median sales price trend. Um, so in terms of, of the median sales price, this is something that, you know, we try to track this over time. We try to see, okay, how is it going? Our, obviously, the median sales price is seasonal. We see prices go down a little bit, take a little bit of a dip um, in the winter and all of that. But they generally just keep going up. That's what appreciation is. That is why people like to to purchase real estate as an investment because in theory that chart continues to go up that that sales price that that trend of appreciation continues to go up and in 2007 um, basically we we didn't really see from 2007 to 2008 much of a change in terms of the trend for the median sales price here in the Greenville area until spring of 2009 spring of 2009 is when we start to see um, really the, the major concerns happen, which is interesting because that is squarely uh, over well over a year from when the recession started. But this is not to be uh, surprising because we've and we've discussed this before. The only way that prices can go down in in real estate is if you have just a dramatic oversupply versus demand. But even with what I was just explaining before, that there was a lot of supply in comparison to to the demand. This, prices were still going up for a variety of reasons. Greenville becoming more attractive to a lot of people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, inflation, of course, plays a, a factor into that as well. But what I believe is the reason why there was, um, you know, basically a 14 to 15 month lag from the start of the recession until we started to really see an impact on prices going down is because that is when foreclosures really started to hit the market. And if you look at the the trend of foreclosures, yeah, it it skyrockets. It starts to it, it started to go up well before 2007. And this is uh, one of the the metrics that we can look at that was very concerning back then. Foreclosures were steadily going up from 2005 to 2006 to 2007. And then it skyrockets 2008, 2009, 2010 before it finally starts to rescind uh, or whatever the right word is, rescind, go down. It started to go back down in uh, in 2011. Um, and so what happened was is that glut of foreclosures that started happening in 2007, 2008, those finally started to, to actually come on the market in 2009 because if a bank 
starts the foreclosure process, it, it takes a while for that foreclosure process to actually get to conclusion. Um, sorry, I just knocked over a box of tissues. Um, it takes a while for, for those foreclosures to actually get on the market. Um, once they do, those foreclosures tend to be cheaper than the other houses that have not been foreclosures that have sold in the area. And so that is the, the reason why prices can go down. Generally speaking, that is what needs to happen. We don't see prices go down. They stay flat. In, in the worst case scenario, typically in Greenville, we see them staying flat until foreclosures, short sales, and the like hit the market. Now, what are we seeing right now? Um, well, foreclosures are at record lows right now. So if we compare this to um, 2007, roughly 1% of housing units were in foreclosure. It was actually a little bit more than 1%. What we have right now, or at least in 2021, was 0.11%. That is lower than than at any other time. The the graph I'm looking at goes back to 2005. 2005, it was 0.46%. 0.11%. And this is not in Greenville. This is the entire housing market, okay? Um, So this is not a GGAR stat. This is this is for the entire U.S. Um, I, I don't have this number for Greenville specifically, but Greenville mirrors the rest of the U.S. in this way. We have seen a steady, steady decline in foreclosures the past um, the past few years, and that has only gone dramatically down the past uh, two years, particularly the past two years. We're we're seeing foreclosure rates so low; it's basically non-existent. Um, and so that is a that is such an uh, an amazing indicator for this housing market. That trend would have to reverse dramatically. Like we would have to have um, we would have to have almost ten times the foreclosures that we have right now in order to compare to uh, what it was in two thousand seven. That is um, that's a huge number, and so. Um, what that tells me is that prices are not going down. They are not going to go down. I've said this before, but I've got the data for you guys. We would need to have foreclosures hit an unprecedented um, number. Well, actually, a precedented number. We would have to have it hit something greater than 2007 levels very, very quickly. And then it would take another probably 15-ish months after that before we would actually see the market um, convert into a clear buyer's market with prices um, on the descent. Um, what about inventory? We I alluded to this before um, when we were talking about the days on market, but the inventory, the month supply of inventory in 2007 was in the six to eight month range. So that is what we would consider a buyer's market. Um, and, and, you know, we typically consider anything greater than six months to be a buyer's market, and um, and the total inventory of houses um, for a given month was in the seven thousand units range. Seven thousand units, which is what we use to refer to, you know, houses, condos, etc. Seven thousand total. How does that compare to today? Um, how that compares to today? is we have one to two months of inventory and total inventory is in 
the 2000 units range. That is 70% less inventory than what we had in 2007 leading up to the recession. That is, again, an incredible number. What it would take for us to be able to get back to to the kind of inventory we had back then, um, it would be incredibly difficult, right? Because a lot of this is spurred on by new construction. New construction right now is still being hampered by the pandemic. Um, it's still it's being hampered by government regulation. So we're seeing ev- pretty much every area in the U.S. is becoming stricter on new construction because people are are like, you know, whoa, I don't want all this farmland converted into a new subdivision, all this farmland right by my house. I don't want that. So people are complaining. Um, things are getting stricter. Environmental requirements are getting stricter. And so all of these things are putting the squeeze on new construction. That's the only way that we can get out of this inventory crisis uh, of low supply is by building more houses. But we are in a situation where we're, where we're building way fewer houses than we need to. And, and there would be... It would be really, really difficult, and I'm, I'm going to get into this here in a minute, really difficult for us to come anywhere near that inventory range um, that we had in 2007. And by the way, we to, to get to the 2007 climate, we would need to surpass that 7,000 because the demand today is higher. So in order to, to get to something that resembles what the climate was in 2007, that inventory number would have to be even higher than, than the 7,000 a month range. And right now it's sitting pretty at around 2,000. Um, and so let's look at the demand, right? Um, in February of 2007, there were 750 closings. How does that compare to February of 2022? There were 1,150 closings. This is in, uh, according to Greater, Greater Greenville Association of Realtors. That's a 50% increase, 50%. It's actually greater than 50% of, of 750. You come up with 1,150. Um, so, so what's remarkable about that is that's, that's a 50% increase despite the fact that, that that level of supply is so low, right? We had uh, supply levels in the 2,000 uh, range, but 1,150 closings, whereas in February 2007, Supply was in the 7,000 range, but with only 750 closings. That is, uh, again, it is a, a completely incomparable scenario, an incomparable situation when you compare the supply versus the demand. In 2007, unbelievable amounts of supply and very low demand, relatively speaking. 2022, unbelievably low supply and incredibly high demand. So in order for us to match those 2007 levels, really we need to see somehow supply go up. And I've already said that's really not going to happen. Like we don't, I I want it to happen. We don't see any uh, any scenario where that could happen, at least not in the Greenville area. It is. It, it would take years of, of deregulation and supply chain to, to repair itself and a bunch of builders to become a lot more aggressive and to just start building, building, building everywhere um, for that to be fixed. And then with regard to demand, how is demand just going to go away? How is demand for housing in the greater Greenville area just going to disappear? It's not. It's not going to disappear. 
Um, the only way that it disappears is if there is, again, some sort of recession that happens. But remember, in 2007, that was a unique, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, and I will say it again in the future, 2007 was a housing market crash, so it literally was a real estate recession. We don't know, at least I, I don't know, um, what 2007, 2008 would have looked like if it was a comparable recession but wasn't caused by the housing market. How would the housing market have been downstream uh, affected? I don't know because it was a housing market crash that led to a recession. Right now, what we would need is for a recession to then, as a byproduct of it, lead to lower demand, people able and willing to buy houses, which would then lead to a market crash. Um, but the the demand would have to go, it, it would have to, to go down so much. And again, it just seems incredibly unlikely. Um, there are several metrics when we look at the at the historical data that point to Greenville shifting from a buyer's market to a seller's market around the 2015 to 2016 uh, time period. So that's when that's when we saw really the market finally, you know, as um, as our economy was really coming out of the recession um, and and fully fully healed from from all of that. I guess uh, some people might argue with me on that, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to say fully healed from the Great Recession. Um, the housing market saw that flip from a roughly a buyer's mar- buyer's market to a seller's market around 2015 to 2016. So what were inventory levels around that time? Inventory levels around that time were around 4,000 to 5,000 a month. So that was still a seller's market, and they had 200 to 250 percent of the houses that we have today. So even if we gained inventory on on you know double what we currently have double the inventory what we currently have and if demand was comparable to what it was in 2015 and 2016 and it's more than it was back then but even if even if demand went down supply doubled we would still be basically in a seller's market um back then they had their closings in 2015 and 2016 um which is really the best metric I can use for demand, was 40% lower. So the supply was double, and the demand was roughly half of what it is now. So, And that was still a seller's market. That is, again, just insane. That is how insane the seller's market is right now. To correct, you are looking at a, at a correction that would be historic. It would be unlike anything that we've seen probably since the Great Depression. It would probably take, uh, the only thing I can come up with in my mind, and I'm no economist, but would be a, a crazy war, a crazy World War III type of scenario um, that would cause this uh, this type of crazy market correction um, comparable to what we saw in 2007 to 2008. I, I, I cannot see how these supply and demand issues can resolve could could correct in a dramatic way in any other way. Um, so again, to to not even going back to 2007, but going back to like 2015, 2016, when when the market was healthy but had just flipped over to a seller's market. Um, what would it take? 
for us to get back to that level. So we're averaging right now around 1,600 new listings per month and about 1,400 new contracts per month. Those numbers are nuts, um, but th that's what that's what we're averaging. To go back to 2015 to 2016 levels of inventory just by the end of the year, um, we would need listings, which would be the supply part of supply and demand, to stay the same, but for the demand for the, the new contracts to immediately drop, immediately, like right now, tomorrow, drop by 20% and stay there until the end of the year. Um, and if that happened, if we just overnight immediately saw a 20% drop in demand, which would be unbelievable, right? That would be an insane drop. Like higher interest rates are not going to cause that. I don't care what you say, um, what people, you know, how many people are freaking out. Oh my goodness, you know, mortgage rates have gone way up. Mortgage rates are not going going up um, they would have to, I don't know what level they'd have to go up to in order to cause a 20% drop in demand, but it would have to be, again, astronomical, maybe like 9 or 10%, something insane like that. Um, that's, what, that's what it would take, in my opinion, for us to have demand immediately drop by 20%, and then it would need to, to be dropped by 20% for another eight to nine months before we would finally find ourselves with 2015 to 2016 levels of inventory. And that is still a seller's market. Still a seller's market. Um, to get back to 2007 levels, pre-recession, by the end of the year, to get back to those levels by the end of the year, we would need to see demand drop immediately by 40% and stay that way for the next nine months. And then... For us to see something similar to what happened then in 2008, the actual Great Recession itself, that it would need to drop even further. Um, now, how does how does that drop? How does that 40% drop compare to the Great Recession? At least in Greenville, in Greenville we saw demand drop by 30 to 35%. So this would what it would take for us to get to 2007 levels of supply and demand, we would need to see overnight a greater market correction than what we saw in 2007 when the recession actually happened, um, the end of 2007 into 2008. We would need to see a greater market correction overnight than what happened then, and that correction would have to continue for nine months straight in order uh, for the market to actually see something comparable to what we had during the Great Recession. And so this is why when we had one month of basically no homes being uh, listed or sold during when, when we had the lockdown right at the beginning of the pandemic, this is why the housing market didn't crash because we need nine months of that. We, well, nine months of, of it being 40% less. We need months upon months upon months stacked together of really bad numbers of really high supply, really low demand in order for us to get anywhere that resembles 2007 from the standpoint of the housing market. Um, and as I mentioned before, foreclosures are at historically low levels. And there's no reason to think that that won't continue because up until this point, people have been, have been purchasing with a lot of cash and with low interest rates. Now, as interest rates go up, 
Might people, might that strain the system a little bit more? Yes, yes it will. Um, 0.11% foreclosure rate, that's not gonna, it's not gonna stay there. It will come up, but for it to come up to levels that are, uh, that are disconcerting, um, or disconcerting, um, it would have to be, again, tremendously high. Back in 2016, I just said that was a seller's market. 2016, um, it was 0.7%. That's six times, that's greater than six times what, what we had in 2021. Um, so we have a very, very long leash on this, uh, on the foreclosure rates and on all of these other things. So here's my conclusion from this. What we're seeing right now in terms of the uh, the supply and demand issues, this is not changing. I don't care what happens with interest rates. I don't care what happens with inflation. Uh, I don't... I don't even care if we have some kind of a, a mini recession. It would take a borderline depression, Great Depression type of, of economic climate for the housing market to truly see a flip uh, to something resembling a buyer's market. Um, I shouldn't say something resembling a buyer's market, but to something resembling the, the 2008 to, to 2012 level of buyer's market. Okay, we could see, uh, we could see it within, I could see it within a few years flipping to a buyer's market, but to be a market where prices are going down, where we're seeing just homes sitting uh, for a third to half of a year before they go under contract, like what we saw back in the Great Recession, um, listen, Every metric that I'm looking at tells me we are years away from that, barring some kind of nuclear apocalypse. That is, that's the only thing that I could personally see that would cause that to happen. That said, as I've said in previous podcasts, um, we do have to monitor this, this mortgage rate situation closely. We don't know the ripples of it, but I'm very confident that one of the ripples will not be lower prices. One of the ripples will not be uh, a, a tremendous amount of increased supply versus the demand. Um, we might see minor. I, I do expect, as I've said before, uh, price increases to slow down, but they haven't yet. I, I'm telling you right now. I am. I'm out there in the market right now. It nothing is slowing down yet, um, and so at some point it will have to. We have to think that it will. Um, but all the metrics right now point to that this market is going to remain crazy for quite some time. Buckle up um, unless we go to war with Russia or something like that. And Russia like bombs the U.S., God forbid they do. Um, but honestly, I think it would take something insane like that for us to see uh, something that resembles what happened in, in the 2008 period of time when we entered that great recession and had the housing market collapse like it did. I hope you guys found that to be informative. If you have any questions, please let me know. You can find all my contact information in the show notes. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, need a realtor to guide you through a real estate transaction, I'm your guy. Um, And as always, if you like the show, if you love the show, please leave a five-star rating. Please leave a review. Please subscribe, download episodes, do all of that stuff. I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a good rest of the week.